Hey everybody, it's Saturday, October 6th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 39 of the Non Sequitur Podcast. The four of us, the main crew is here today on my left. Kelly. Melissa. Amy. And I'm Luke. Uh, sorry it's been so long since you've heard from us. It's been at least a month since the last recorded episode, uh, which was at PAX. So um, we're going to try to do this a little bit more regularly. We just had a lot of life issues along the way. Uh, we got some awesome cards, um, but before we jump into that, we want to offer a congratulations to Kyle and Crystal. They were, they were on the last episode. They have had a beautiful little girl. So uh, they are not here tonight. They are at home listening to Crying Baby. I don't know. I don't know what you do with that's, an, an infant. That's what you do with an infant. A lot of people just stare at you them. You poke it until it cries, and then you laugh at it, and then you, you know, when it stops crying, you poke it again. I stopped over there on Wednesday, so the kid was like four days old, and it was sleeping, like sound asleep. She. She, sorry. And uh, <laughs> Kyle was like, oh, you should see her eyes. They're so pretty. And so he starts like pulling on her forehead to try to like open up her <laughs> eyes. And I was like, Kyle, what are you doing? Let your baby sleep, you weirdo. <laughs> so, yep. That's awesome. He's going to be an awesome dad. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I wanted to just touch again on some stuff from PAX. I was thinking about it after we put the episode up, and I realized that we did not play any games from Microsoft. I don't think we even went into their booth they had Halo 4 there and the new Gears of War and all sorts of like really popular games right in the middle of the booth or the, the show floor. We walked around it constantly. And I don't think anybody, including Kyle or Ethan, stopped to play one single game. I, yeah, I don't think I did. Yeah. Did, not at all. Did, Melissa, did we even contemplate it? I don't even remember discussing I remember we, seeing it. We played it, that one but... little like ninja killing game, but that was barely an Xbox title. So I don't know if we just don't have any interest in Microsoft games nowadays just didn't have any interest in what they had there. Is it just like not our audience? Like we're not the, the, the Halo Gears of War crowd or? Yeah, no, we're not. Do they have any games that we like at all? I don't, I don't know what else they had. Yeah. I, so, maybe. I was but thinking I didn't, about I didn't even think about it. I mean, I was only, I, was, I wasn't there the full time. So all I right. might have, I might have gone in if I hadn't had an extra day. But, all right. Yeah. One more question. The Indie Mega Booth being on the main expo hall floor, was that good or bad? Did you prefer it the year before up in the sixth floor or did you like it being down with everybody else? Uh, I like it when it's by itself, when it's, when it's kind of, I mean, not isolated so much, but just like when you can say, oh, here I am in the indie area, you know? But isn't that the whole goal of all of those indie developers? No indie, this isn't like indie music or indie movies where, you know, they're doing it for the art. These people all want to make money. I mean, the dream of all of these guys is to make mainstream money for their creations. Yeah, they want to work on their own stuff and create their own games. That's why they didn't go pursue jobs with Microsoft or Sony or whoever. But all these guys want mainstream level And I want them to make money. I want them to have the financial stability to keep making awesome games. But I don't know. I just... I feel like a hipster now. I'm like, oh, I liked it before it was cool. Like, I wanted to go back to being on vinyl records. And, <laughs> and Amy, you've never been to PAX. Do you have any desire to go? Does hearing us complain about it? I think it would be fun to experience at least once. <laughs> well, we should mention that Amy's voice is kind of gone. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. You sound, what, what does she sound like? She sounds like one of those cartoon characters with the... Like a, like a small character trying to sound bigger. Ah, hey, like lower the their voice. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I've tried not to make fun of you too much. All right, so Pax, you said yes. You want to go? I would like to go. I think it could be a lot of fun. 
However, the smelly people are kind of a little bit annoying. <laughs> it's not that it's not the smelly. It's gotten better. Are not yeah. that bad. Okay. I mean, actually, this year was individually bad at all, yeah. each individual smelly person is probably as bad and smelly as you might think. But a the ventilation system in the convention center works pretty well for the most part. B we have gotten to the point where we no longer stand in really long lines, except at the beginning of the day when people are the least smelly. Fair and enough. C the the notion of showering and the invention of deodorant have gained some popularity amongst the nerd crowd. Yes, <laughs> indeed. All right. I think with that, we should pull some cards. Who wants to go first? Amy, how about you? Since we're going to make fun of you the whole time. <clears throat> Why? Because it'll be funnier. Yep. <laughs> we'll do a listener question. All right. From Jackie in Minnesota. Hi, Jackie. Hey. Hey, girl. <laughs> Buy new or remodeled a house, car, computer, etc. How much is your time worth? Hmm. So they've been doing some home remodeling, I've heard from Scott. So the question of buying something new or fixing up something you already have that's not new. What are our thoughts on that? Kelly, we just fixed your computer up. That was old and we made it new-ish. Yeah, well, I mean, it's got new parts in it, but it's... I guess that was technically a remodel then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Considering all we kept was the case. Yeah. <laughs> I like to buy new things just because I know they're new and shiny, but you save so much money Yeah, doing it the other way. Like I just bought a motorcycle. Yay! And uh, it's quite used, but it's in really good shape. So you can save so, you can save money for sure. I think that's usually yeah. in favor of remodeling. How much is yeah. your time worth though? Is it worth doing the research and doing the labor? It was worth it, I think. Yeah. I saved many thousands of dollars and now I can use those for other fun things. Indeed. Melissa, you watch DIY and the home network stuff, whatever shows. I don't even know people with hammers banging holes in walls. What's your take on this? I think it depends on what you value about the thing in question. There are certain things that I'm not going to buy used and try to refurbish myself. You know, a a phone, for example, (laughs) trying to refurbish my poor broken cell phone. Um, it, it isn't worth it because I have no knowledge of phone components yeah. and you try though, just hit it with a hammer, see what happens. I fixed Amy's PSP once. Yes. Hitting it with a hammer? Uh, no. Oh. She doesn't know how to fix it. <laughs> but the, the value, I mean, the, the value in doing that is so small that my, my time is worth more than that. I think something like a house, I think old houses are cool. I think they have features and elements about them that don't exist in new construction and without in, without incredible expense in that new construction that's completely beyond my means. Plus, remodeling old construction gives the opportunity of genuinely preserving resources that don't need to be expended. There are houses people want to sell, and if they're not perfect, putting in the effort to make them what I want prevents me from building a, another house and Wait. leaving that first one empty. So this is the argument of like, go to the pound to get a dog, don't buy from a breeder, essentially? Yeah. With the argument of the fact that I genuinely appreciate old houses and by remodeling and refurbishing an older house, I have the opportunity to preserve something I value independent of the sort of recycling lover in me. And one thing a lot of people don't realize is that old houses are often much better built than new houses. Not always, but many, many new homes are just slapped together. They're no better than a, than a manufactured home. So the house I grew up in was 
70 years old by the time I'd moved into it. And it's sturdy as a rock. It, it tilts to the side, but you, <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to hit it with some RPGs to take it down. So hmm. Sounds yeah. like a challenge. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think it, it obviously depends on what you're doing and what you think your skill level is. I mean, you know, I've never owned a new, new car. I'm not sure that I ever want to because I feel confident that I can repair most issues on older cars or if it comes to it, take it to a dealer or a mechanic and have them fix it. I think there's, like Melissa said, there's some things you want to buy new and there are some things you're willing to compromise potentially um, by doing it yourself and, you know, putting together the parts, the research, the time, the money, the blood, the sweat, the tears. And I guess it just comes down to how much you value the project. Amy, do you have anything you do that's like recycling or remodeling? Well, Melissa and I were raised by the same parents, mm-hmm. so we've remodeled our house and recited our house and replaced windows in our house. Not we hired a bunch of people to do that. I mean, I think there were some people. The that first we hired. remodel was big but, enough that we had a general contractor yeah. and some subs who did oh. the bulk of the work. Although I think my parents. Did. Certainly the demolition, my parents did. Yeah, there are pictures of us on the roof. Helping. Helping. Mostly we were just sitting on the roof because it was fun. Um, when they added the addition, part of the roof from the house was inside the house now. Oh. So you could sit on the roof inside the house and nice. not get rained on. It was So we, we got to take the shingles off of that part of the roof. Nice. It was very Also, we cool. were small enough to reach there. Yeah. But child I mean, labor, it's all good. <laughs> Always. But I mean, so when it comes to a house, I see the point of remodeling because like Melissa said, you can take something that is already good and make it better. I mean, I was talking with a friend who they're beginning the process of looking for a house. And my friend commented that, you know, the, the reality was, is that she didn't need to find a house that was perfect. She needed to find a house that was okay. And between her and her husband, they could figure out how to make it better for their family and they could make it what their family needed. They could remodel it. They could rearrange it. They could make it work. They just needed to find a house that started out with an okay plan. And so I think that that that's worth it. When it comes to things like houses, remodel the house. All righty. I'm going to pull the pink card. This or that, oceans or mountains? Oceans. Mountains. Mountains. Why would I choose between those two things? They they (laughs) complement each other really well. Yes, but... So pick one. <laughs> what, what's, what's, what's the payoff? I mean, Nothing. do I lose one if I choose the no, other? No, because we'd all die. Your preference. Yeah. See. What's your preference? Uh, would you rather go to any beach or any mountain? Maybe not even necessarily beach. Depends on how you want to define an ocean. But <laughs> <laughs> would you rather go to well, any ocean or any mountain? I love sailing, so I guess ocean. You could theoretically sail on a mountain. <sighs> Poor, poorly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mostly only down Maybe maybe in a nice mountain lake. Lake. There we are. Uh freeze to death. Y- yeah. You'd be quite so you got cold. two mountains and one ocean. <clears throat> two, uh that's even an out then ocean. Yeah. Yeah. That was easy. <laughs> Alright, your turn. Yay. Eeny, meeny, miny green. What? What? That's the first word. I like it that you start these out like the money python. What? Is this what? Make somebody a historian or a chemist. Is it their college degree or their place of work? Are you saying that because I'm a teacher, I'm not really a historian? <gasps> Am I a chemist because I have a biochemistry degree? Ooh. Well, see, I think it, the question is more nuanced than you have phrased it. Then give me your nuanced answer. It has yeah, to fit on yeah, a tiny card. I understand. <laughs> I can't. I don't, I don't think I'm like. 
I understand. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that I am merely a historian. I am primarily a teacher, but I often will start my lessons with, as historians, we get to uh, investigate documents written by people who lived thousands of years ago. Because we're in the 21st century and we're high school historians, so we're going to use a translation of a document by people written thousands of years ago. We still get to investigate and learn things about their lives by reading the actual words they wrote or created or mm -hmm. whatever. And I, I think that's valid. I think... I think I get to call myself a historian. I don't get to call myself a world-class historian or a renowned historian or anything like that. I'm a I'm a high school level historian. I'm I'm okay with that label. But <laughs> but some of those historian skills, if I didn't know them, I wouldn't be able to teach them. They didn't teach me the historian skills in teacher school. I learned all the historian skills about how to do research and how to understand documents and how to, you know, tell stories about history. Not just in my history classes, but beyond my teaching classes, certainly. So I think I get to be a historian, by both by virtue of my degree and my practice. Amy, what about you? I'm well, going to be selfish. I also have a history degree. Are you a historian? Yes, but not because I have a history degree. I agree with Melissa in that. That I think you can be a historian, an amateur historian, without having a history degree, simply because you enjoy the exploration of history. You enjoy that study. You enjoy that knowledge base. Or even like mom has been doing with collecting family stories. Yeah. Like Mom's an oral historian right now in that she is codifying our family's history and putting it together um, so that it won't be forgotten. So she's an amateur historian in addition to the many other titles she wears. So like... Nick Van Schoonhoven's dad is making an airplane. Does that make him like an aeronautical engineer? Or is he just a hobbyist who's making an airplane? Well, you could call him an amateur engineer. I mean, an amateur aerospace engineer, as opposed to somebody who does the job as a profession. Kelly, get your phone off the table. <laughs> I want to answer it. Who is it? It's Julie. Go for it. Sweet. You don't get to hear it. What? No! People <laughs> need to hear the conversation. Hello? Hello, what's going on? Um, nothing in an hour. Yeah. Sure. Sweet. Sounds good. All right. Bye. It would have been better if you Kelly could share. I know. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly has yeah, a day. Kelly, Kelly just got asked out on a date by a girl. Oh, jeez. Shocking yep. revelation. Going to a show. We get drunk. All right. What about you, Kel? What's your stance on this? Degree? <sighs> place of work? Neither? What I makes am, someone... am I a banker? No. Why not? Um, you used to be a bank teller, and now you work in the bank. I think you're um, a banker. Yeah. Uh, I know it sounds boring, but I think, <laughs> I think that's what you are. <clears throat> okay, technically, yes. When I'm at work, I'm a banker. But outside of work, I could care less. Um, well, sure. I, I, have, I mean, I, know, I don't really have any, any like, aspirations of being more, really. I mean, I'd like promotions for more money and stuff, but I really don't care what I'm doing so much. That doesn't Does that mean you're sense? not a banker. Right, right, right. But know. you can also, I mean, we <clears throat> live in a world where people aren't, Limited to one right. title. I would, I You're would, also a writer. Right. I would, a, I, would, I would more likely think, hey, yeah, I'm a writer, because that's, that's, that's where my passion is, I guess. But you don't get paid for that. I do not get paid for that. Yet. And Yet. Isn't, I mean, don't we have to acknowledge that the thing we do for money is a, a title? It doesn't have to be an identity, but right. it's a title we okay. have to sure. accept. 
I think, Luke, you are a, a chemist, but you're not a practicing chemist. You're a practicing. You're a lapsed chemist. <laughs> a, lapsed, a prolapsed chemist. <laughs> All right, draw a card. You're a, you're a practicing chip mover. <clears throat> Science. Oh, geez. Science with Mr. Luke. Da-da-da. Mr. Luke, what can you tell me about tongue maps? Actually, I want you to tell me about tongue maps. Tongue maps? maps? Is uh, it like fingerprinting your tongue? How many taste zones are there on our tongues? Well, see, I know that we can taste... Four different kinds of tastes, so are they mapped to certain places on our tongues? Can you name the quote-unquote four? Well, we can taste sweetness and sourness and saltiness and bitterness. Is there a fifth? Umami. Do you think it's a fifth? Well, the cooking channel tells me that it might be a fifth. <laughs> what is umami? She's going to keep running with this. Yeah. Go ahead. Fill us in. Um, well, so one guy, this Japanese guy, was cooking something, and he realized that there was this flavor he couldn't quite put his finger on, so he called it umami, which is like Japanese or something for flavor I can't quite put my finger on, but it tastes really good. (laughs) All right, Kelly, embarrass yourself. Uh, Say this name in the most Japanese accent you can. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Kikunai Ikeda. (laughs) Excellent. All right, tongue maps. Tongue maps are those things you learn in grade school, right? Where it's like, yeah, you've yeah, got okay. sweetness on the tip of your tongue and such and such on the sides and whatever at the back. Totally bogus. Totally bogus. The idea was first put forward by a guy named D.P. Hennig. He was a German scientist in 1901. And uh, basically, well, Why were we trusting the Germans in 1901? I, I, I don't know. They were barely even a country at that point. Yeah, see? So he got together a bunch of volunteers and had them do a bunch of taste tests. And based on their like conjectured... like answers, he put together the idea of a taste map. Nobody questioned it. It went on for at least 70 years before anybody started thinking, hmm, wait a minute. This lady, Virginia Collins in 1974, uh, found out that basically you can taste all flavors, you know, these things we're talking about, in all parts of your mouth. The weird thing is that we know much more about stuff like our sight and our hearing than we do about our taste. It seems like it'd be a super easy thing to, to study, but it's actually quite difficult. Um, the, the umami thing that Melissa mentioned is, um, you know, the, the flavor, I guess, of, of meat, for lack of a better word. People often say that bacon and, and, and meaty things have a lot of umami. The MSG that they used to put in a lot of Asian food was basically just umami flavoring. And uh, now researchers recently discovered that there are between 50 to 100 receptors for each taste on every taste bud. So it is really pretty much uniformly spread throughout not only our tongue, but as well, we have uh, the ability to taste tastes on the roof of our mouth and the epiglottis and areas inside our mouth that don't even have taste buds. So basically the whole idea of a tongue map is bogus. I wonder though, the, I mean, some of the sensations about, for example, bitterness, I mean, yes, you could taste bitterness from your whole tongue, but I wonder if, if because so many things, the bitterness comes as an aftertaste. That's why that idea of it hitting the back of your tongue or the back of your mouth is so believable, I guess. Because you have that sensation of you ate something and you had that initial flavor. And then as you swallow and you get the secondary, I don't know even how it all works, but you, you get that aftertaste yeah. for lack of a more scientific term. Um, it feels as though that's all coming from your throat because that's the most recent place that food was. Um, Gross. Not a bad, not a bad theory. I like it. Thanks, Mr. Luke. No problem. And you could totally taste like capsaicin when you put it on your face. (laughs) This is true. And you know, well, taste. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's Burn. Whatever. Same thing. All right. Kelly, what are you doing? Man, I am popular tonight. Get your phone off the table. My friend Jackie just told me that uh, she is not excited about my new motorcycle. <laughs> she thinks I'm going to kill myself. You might. Save us from ourselves, Amy. I don't <clears throat> think that's possible. Do it anyway. This or that. Brad Pitt or George Clooney. Ooh. Ooh. This could be whether or not you're more attractive to one or not. Movies they've been in or not. Brad Pitt. Really? Why? Fight Club. <laughs> That's it? That's your case? Pretty much. <laughs> Fight Club. Fight Club and other things. Ah, but you got George Clooney and awesome things like I know, Intolerable I know. Cruelty, where he was obsessed with his teeth, or Oh Brother Rat Thou, where he's just awesome in every capacity. That's true. I think Brad Pitt's They're more handsome. If I had to look like one, I would probably choose to look like Brad Pitt. Actually, Melissa, who do you think is more attractive? Who should I look like? Well, see, I don't think you could pull off a Brad Pitt look. With the spiky hair and kind of a it, it douchey grin. It doesn't fit your, your personality. You're much more yeah. the, the suave George Clooney type. Am I suave? I'm no. About this. Yeah. <laughs> well, but neither <laughs> is he half the time, so it works so, out. That's actually yeah, true. See, Plus, he... you also have the whole tree of life problem. Uh, what's that? That Brad Pitt was in Tree of Life and it was oh, completely man, incomprehensible was. and made no sense <laughs> in any way. I need to see this movie. No, you don't. I expunged it from my brain already. It's really not. <laughs> I can give you the script. It's better than watching it. Amy, what about you? Um, my initial reaction was George Clooney because all I could think of was the fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, what? Is that a TV show? Movie? A movie. No, it's a movie. It's a strange movie. Old movie? No. no. The book was better. I've never even it heard was of a, it. It was one of those, like, you watch it and you're like, this is really, really weird. It was, it was weird. It and was just something awkward And then afterwards you think it. about it and you're like, it's actually kind of good, but really, really weird. Unlike Tree of Life, where you sit there going, this is really, really completely mind-blowingly incomprehensible. Boring. And then you leave and you say, yeah, I still didn't like that. Dinosaurs. <laughs> For an hour, <laughs> were they in space? No, just well, about. Yeah, was actually, it, the creation was of it the like two thousand and one weird. No, weirder. Ooh. Like like on drugs. I don't even know that movie was bad. Moving on. Wait, so they they like trumped Kubrick? Is that what you're telling me right now? In weirdness, yes. Well, what? In, incomprehensibility. He is rolling in his it, grave. It might as well be uh, that one movie with the rabbit and the. He'll come crash. back to haunt you. Yeah, probably. Okay, so you said Brad Pitt or George Clooney? George Clooney. Melissa has no. Apparently, George Clooney. Because <laughs> she thinks he's more suave like me. I'm, I'm Pitt. And uh, you're Pitt, and I'm yeah. Clooney. So Clooney wins. Uh, my turn. I think Brad Pitt would probably kill George Clooney, though, in a fight. S- George Clooney's smile I'm, would deflect any... Dude, crap. okay, Snatch. Oh, crap. See? I totally forgot about Snatch. Mm. Forgot about that periwinkle blue. Yeah, that might almost put me over the edge. Yep. <laughs> were they both in Ocean's Eleven? Yep. Yes, that was were. the other movie. Brad Pitt was constantly of. eating food, Brad which Pitt was, was constantly the funniest eating thing. food. And I think his character is better. <laughs> the universe didn't implode. That's kind of amazing. Yes. Mm. Yeah. We should just watch that, that much movie. handsomeness in one movie. Indeed. Um, <laughs> Plus Julia Roberts. I know. Playing Julia Roberts. Um, that was only in the sequel. Spoilers. All right. F one topic. An actual F one topic. Two parter. Did Lewis Hamilton make the right decision to leave McLaren and join Mercedes? Part two. Thoughts on Michael's second retirement? Are we happy to see him go? Do we think he ever should have come back? He didn't accomplish much. But Michael? I mean, yeah. I guess it was fun for him to be back for a while. Was it? Because he, he went out as the king and came back as the peasant. Well, like, I mean, Michael Jordan did the exact same thing. I don't know. I don't think he ever thought that was a good idea to come back. No, but... I mean, but he had fun for a few years. Yeah, he had fun for a few years, came back. Do you think those guys can have fun or are they so like committed to the idea of winning that anything less than that is failure? I don't know. I wonder if it takes a quote failure 
like the comeback for the Michaels. Um, well, that's right. To, <laughs> to, Did Mike Tyson ever come back from retirement? Michael Jackson almost came back from singing. Anyway, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and thinking about Michael Jordan as an example, I think that his quote unquote failed return to basketball is what gave him the opportunity to move on. Okay. To, and, and really like become something more than just a great athlete. So like he realizing that that a, portion of his life was over. Was done and yeah. he could focus on business interests and advocacy for causes he cares about. And I think it's hard maybe to, to move on from such a, a great and storied career that ends on such a high note and then actually transition successfully into the next thing right away. I think there's always a period of adjustment and not everybody has the opportunity to come back, realize that going backwards isn't the right thing and then move forward. But there's always something I think that happens to people in that moment. And I think it will be interesting to see what Michael Phelps does in the next What's Olympic cycle. Being famous? Because, well, because I mean, Michael Phelps is a guy who has retired at just after, we'll say, the pinnacle of his career. I yeah. mean, he didn't do quite as well at this Olympics, but still amazing success for him at this Olympics. And he has said, I'm done. I'm not coming back for real this time. Um, I, I don't expect to see him come back and, and fail, but I do think that the, the pressure and the temptation is going to be really strong because he hasn't hit the wall ever. Whereas Schumacher obviously has him. He's gotten to the point where he can no longer progress in F1 beyond where he had been before. Yeah. He can't return to his former glory. And as it turns out, he's not offering anything to any team that they couldn't get from somebody with more potential for growth. Sure. And which is not to discredit what Mercedes got from Michael as a tester and as a uh, as a really knowledgeable guy for making their cars even better, but that they can get the the points that Michael scored from anybody. Amy, thoughts on Lewis Hamilton jumping ship? I think it's a weird idea. Yeah. Don't you think it's time though? He's been so clearly unhappy at McLaren. Yeah, it's one of those something had to change. Something had to get better because, like Melissa said, he's been unhappy. But at the same time, like, he's been there forever. He's the idea to, of him not being there is a little weird. He's going to have to make a, a, an interesting life decision at the end of next season because he's been unhappy at a team where he could have won and wasn't going to a team that probably can't win. I wonder if that, like, that tension between having the car and not pulling it off is going to be more difficult than being at a team where you just can't win at all. <clears throat> Because I'm just guessing that they won't win next year, even with him in the car. So I'm thinking... Like, but, well, but the, I, I think I think you're being too pessimistic about Mercedes and saying that they can't win. Uh, well, clearly they can. Rosberg did it in China this year. But it's not a championship winning car. I don't think... This year's car isn't. Well, they haven't really shown that they've got what it takes. Well, bef- when they were brawn, they That, that was a fluke. It really was like a loophole fluke. And, and flukes happen sometimes to everybody. I mean... Williams won a race this year. Like, I don't even know how that happened. I guess I, I guess I'm looking at the long... I'm being a historian. And I'm looking at the long history of F1 where really dominant teams have hit slumps much longer than the ones we've seen in, in the last 10 years. Where if a team has one bad year, that's like this horrible slump. But in the, the long-term history of F1, I mean, didn't McLaren have years in a row where they were competitive but not winning? The last decade, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, but I mean, competitive but not winning. That's, I mean, that sounds like Mercedes right now, a team that's competitive but not winning. Who's to say that we couldn't go back to a more historical trend and see suddenly 
McLaren and Ferrari are still the big rivals, but suddenly it's Mercedes and Ferrari or Williams and McLaren who are actually duking it out in the front and the the big rival is somewhere back in the pack and everyone, I mean, everyone is shocked and appalled and weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth about this horrific downturn. That's just a thing that happens. I think the other thing that Mercedes has as an advantage is that while they have to spend money to get Lewis because they have to pay him, he's also going to bring sponsors with him, which is going to give them more money for more research and more people and more stuff. Your logic is good. Kelly, thoughts? Michael leaving, Lewis switching. Bobby Kuby, 2013. Which car? Well, Sauber needs a new driver. That's true. Sauber. Heike. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Heike should do what? Drive at Sauber. I think it's a good idea. He and Kamui would be the most... Unintelligible team. Yes. <laughs> hilarious. It would be the most hilarious team ever, and they would have all of the adoring fans. It's they true. would. It's Everywhere true. in the world they I would like go, they idea. would have the biggest crowds at the Sauber garage. Kamui and Heike. I think this is a good plan. All right. Kelly, your answer. Yeah, it's my sign. I'm going to choose a listener question from Danielle in Sacramento. Have you ever dressed up for a movie launch? Will you dress up for the Hobbit trilogy? Melissa has dressed up. Not for a movie launch. Not what? for a movie the launch. Wasn't a movie launch. Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, <laughs> I guess I didn't count it because it wasn't the midnight showing. <laughs> we just dressed up and went in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Extra balls here. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even so much that we were like totally in love with the movie as that I had a bunch of cool pirate stuff, <laughs> and it seemed like fun. Which uh, which pirate movie was this? <laughs> Number two. Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. Okay. It was Pirates of the Caribbean. It must have been number two. Okay. Um, Courtney and I dressed up because it sounded like fun. Was it fun? Sounds good. It was totally fun. Fun enough to do again for another movie? <gasps> well, I, I love dressing up. So, yes. But I guess it would be less about the movie and more about, like, getting all my friends together and all of us wearing ridiculous costumes. So, like, if there was a Doctor Who movie, you girls would dress up in some capacity? Like, something like that? Is that what it would take? Or... I think I would want to go with a group of people, everybody who was dressing up. I mean, that's the thing about dressing up is you can't, at least me, I can't be the only one in a group that dresses up. That would be awkward. Indeed. So the fact that you never like the idea of wearing costumes means I'll probably never do it again. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, Kelly. <laughs> probably never, ever do that. I wouldn't mind going to the movie theater with no shoes on just because it's nice and comfy. You can but... take your shoes off at the movie theater. I don't know if you know this. It's too sticky. Wh- you can do it. It's not, not a good idea. Oh, I hadn't thought about sticky. That's gross. <laughs> Never mind. Yep. I'm going to keep my shoes on. Amy? I agree with Melissa that there needs to be a group of people in order to dress up. Have you ever dressed up? Not for a movie. Okay. That was <laughs> implying something. True. <laughs> we dressed up for a book release. Oh, oh my God. Oh, way worse. Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Yep. Number oh, seven. What'd you dress up as? <laughs> Wizards. Yep. We looked amazing. But you did too? Yep. Yeah, there Are there were a whole pictures bunch of us. Um, yes. Can we please share them? I'll have to see if I can find. There's only yeah. one picture I know of, and it's Amy's not in it. But um, it was Melissa and Amy and Emily and Allison. Didn't Allison dress up too? I think Allison and Rachel came. Rachel came and dressed up. There were five of us. I need to see this picture. We were amazing. Or whatever pictures exist. Uh, yeah, so no movies dressing up. And Hobbit? Yeah. Eh. Yeah, I don't want to dress up as dwarves. I really, I feel like that would be cold. You know, it's going to be the middle of December, and (laughs) you get all you get to all you get for like warm feet is like fur. Yeah, (laughs) dresses and elves. But all right, 
the elves in that. Well, we don't even know if the elves are even in the first Hobbit movie. Probably. Well, they I would still dress as an elf because awesome. Probably because they go to Rivendell. and they get to wear shoes. Yes, yeah. Rivendell elves will be there. All right, Melissa. Another listener question because I like listener questions from Aaron in New York. Aaron, I don't know if I like your question. I'm gonna read it anyway. How do you feel about job security in the current and future economy? Such an Aaron question. Um, I don't know. Jobs. We have them. Go. <laughs> I feel completely secure in my job. Yeah. I don't care. Think people are going to continue to bank? Yes. I, I have a feeling that I'm I don't know. Nobody good. trusts you guys now, so. I am in a credit union, People are just going to, like, so get yeah. gold people do trust us. and it's bury true. it in the hills. It's true. Yeah, we do trust the credit unions. The credit unions are even more likely to survive than the banks. So, really? yep. So I'm good. Cause we, they are community owned. Yep. As members of a credit union, we are part owners. Do I get money back? Uh, we get to vote on the board of directors. <laughs> Do I get to and, vote on the money I get back. <laughs> well, you can pick directors who are going to make policies for the Can I run for the director? Union. You could. You could, yeah. Would you vote for me, Kelly? No. No. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. <laughs> All right. I don't remember what the question was. Uh, okay, okay, okay. You know what? Okay, let me segue. Um, so I went to the DOL today to get my permit for this motorcycle, right? And I sit in line for 45 minutes, and I get up to the front of the line, and I'm, she's working it out. She's like, oh, your, 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 your license expires in like two weeks. You should probably get that renewed because I can't give you a permit for a license that's expiring so soon. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. She's like, okay, it's going to be $60 for all of that. And I was like, oh my God. All right. Here's my credit card. They don't take that. They don't take it. They do take credit oh, cards. They? they just don't take credit cards from any of the banks that I bank at. <laughs> Wait, you bank at more than one bank? Well, Twin Star and WSECU. So. But it's a Visa card. It's, it's Visa. Yeah. So. So what's the problem? It, well, different. Because I'm going to have to go in a couple weeks. I need I know, to know this. Different institutions <laughs> use different networks for their card services. So. Apparently theirs is incredibly archaic and doesn't work for the credit, the dual credit union that's like two blocks down the road. You don't say that a state agency is archaic and decrepit. It is. Shocking. It is. <laughs> Ridiculous. I was so mad. And as she was like, so yeah, you can go get cash and come back. You don't have to stand in line again. But I was like, um, I got, I got to be somewhere in five minutes. So thanks. Does Aaron's question specify our personal job security or just in general? How do you feel about job security Ugh. in the current and future economy? I mean, I feel incredibly secure. I, I, I think Melissa probably does as well, unless there's like a huge budget shortfall this year. You're pretty much a shoe in for rehire. I think there are a lot of people around this country that obviously are having a hard time getting a job or keeping a job, but I haven't really seen that in the friends I have. I've seen most of the people that, that we interact with like go from job to job pretty painlessly without really a lot of... Yeah. Difficulty. Where I mean, we're, we're all young kinda, though. Yeah. I think for young people, even job insecurity doesn't feel as scary or as shocking because we're used to it. Well, and we're not trying to like support three kids. You right. know, like to be laid off isn't this nagging fear that, you know, lingers for decades. Pro tip stop yeah. having children. <laughs> or don't start, apparently. Yeah. Amy, job security. Where I'm currently working, people are going to continue to buy useless things. So, <laughs> well, that's the truth for anybody, right? People... I mean, I'm going to continue to have a job there. I, I know people who they are not confident in their job security, not because of the economy necessarily, mostly because of humans and their tendency to do stupid things. 
I think that people make the whole job security thing into a bigger issue than it is sometimes. Fair enough. I think the biggest fear about job insecurity is is of getting to a point where you've invested time and whatever into a company to the point where either your skills aren't marketable outside of that company because you haven't developed anything beyond what you needed for your job, or you've invested so much time in that your your retirement is all locked into this one company and starting over at another company would take 40 years yeah. to pick up a, a reasonable amount of retirement. And that's, it's a reality and it's a, a thing to be conscious of, but we're all young. This is not the podcast for that question. <laughs> go, go ask the old middle-aged people. Um, is there an old middle-aged podcast that they probably can direct that one to? Search for it. Yeah. Or email the Planet Money guys. They they would. There you go. It's great. It's long. Yes. <laughs> Can't handle it. Do you care about review scores? Prefer reading text? Does knowing the reviewer matter? Which model do you prefer? One to ten stars, etc. What? Wait, let me see that. I, I think it's a video game question. No, 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 not, not at all. Reviews. I mean, like, think of it. you when we were doing our wedding registry, you mm. were just obsessed oh, okay. with reading user reviews or professional reviews. Is this cookware better than that cookware? Should I buy this vacuum cleaner? Like, we are, I think Melissa and I are worse than the average person. We will read reviews for hours if we're making a purchase on something. So, do you care? Do you actually trust the reviewers? Do you think people that invested money in something are willing to even give an objective opinion on it? Oh, nobody's giving an objective opinion. Not and that's actually yet. the point. That's why I look at reviews is I, I find scores are a good place to start. But I guess I would say I would have to say that the text of the review is what matters because um, I will usually try and find the product I'm really concerned about. And there are no reviews. That makes me a little bit cautious because it, I mean, it could mean any number of things, including the product is too new yeah. to have people talking about it. But a product with, you know, at least a half a dozen reviews is really helpful to read a couple of the really positive ones. But most importantly, the mediocre and negative reviews, because people are always going to complain about stuff that's stupid and irrelevant. But if that's all they're complaining about is stupid, irrelevant stuff that you should have known better. Oh, it's not exactly the same color as it was on the website. Okay, good to know that these <clears throat> tights are actually magenta instead of maroon. I mean, yes, helpful. Maybe it might impact my decision, but I know that anything I order online is not going to look exactly like yeah. it does on the website. So I'm not really concerned about the fact that people are mad that it doesn't look like what it's supposed to. But if people on a restaurant review are saying, you know, if five people all talk about having gotten food poisoning there, probably not going to go. Sure. Because that's a, that's a real thing. I look at a lot of reviews online and I often focus on, you know, if it's a five-star scale, like I usually read a lot of the fives and a lot of the ones. Mm -hmm. And I usually don't really care about the ones in the middle. And I know a lot of companies have now gone to binary you know, ups or downs, you thought, you know, like YouTube videos kind of thing. Like they used to have five stars on YouTube videos and then they realized that most people only clicked one or five. That was it. And so I kind of wish that more sites would maybe do a thumbs up or thumbs down and you could get a more representative answer because people might just be more prone to nitpick or. I know the people who put three stars and then rave about how wonderful something is, those people crack. Yeah, so there's connect disconnect often even between the text and what the the score is. Yeah, I, you get that a lot on iTunes and, and places like that too. It's just like someone will just go off the rails. They're just so happy about something, and they only gave it like 
two stars. Yeah, the packaging like, wasn't what? sufficient. And you're like, what? I, what? Yeah. I don't understand. It worked and it was awesome. <laughs> and it was amazing, but you didn't like how it was shipped to you. So you gave it, what? Yeah. So how about the one to 10 scale? Is that, is that too much granularity? I've never liked it. I've always thought it was kind of silly. I, I, I'm with Melissa. I'm more about the text and what they're actually saying than the actual score they've given it. Okay. So. so if it's a professional review for movies, games, something like that, do you care to have almost a relationship with the the reviewer? Like someone that you've read, like Melissa reads a lot of New York Times people. Um, she knows Brad and, and these people because she reads their columns all the time. So does someone that gives a review on a game that you know carry more weight than just generic internet person? It can if I know, like if, if I were reading, you know, one critic's reviews enough that I knew how their views of a thing kind of ran parallel yeah. or where they intersected or with mine. You know then, their tastes. Yeah. If I knew their tastes and how they related to my tastes, then yeah. But I mean, it's hard with when you just pick up the, the Olympian and you look at the one guy's review of all these movies and he's extremely biased about one thing and you're like, I know I'm going to like that movie. So, (laughs) you know, it's hard. It's hard to, I don't know. I think with movies and with video games and those kinds of things that having a star system or a one out of 10 or whatever kind of a thing is, is more valuable than having a, this was good or this was bad when you're talking about products like kitchen appliances or, some of those other things, I think that having a thumbs up, thumbs down, like restaurants having a thumbs up, thumbs down is better because with a video game, you can say, you know, it's easier to say, well, it was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite all the way there. And that's important to some degree of like, if you just said, yeah, this game has a thumbs up and you play the game and you go, oh, this really like fell flat. I wish I'd known that this was going to fall flat in this area or a movie. Like, yeah, everything was great except this one part and you want to be able to say that because not everybody reads all the way through. Not everybody reads that. So I think in some places having having a number system or having a star system is valuable, but I think having the thumbs up, thumbs down thing is also way more valuable when it comes to restaurants and some of those other kinds of things like services. Sure. Okay. Anything else? I like monkeys. I don't. All right. Whatever. Card. Kyle and Tumwater. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. How can people who love the podcast help support it and get the word out? Send money. What? How does that? Well, I guess. No, we don't know. We don't want your money. Um, (laughs) I do. You can go to uh, Twin Star Credit Union or WSECU. Ask for my account. Put money in, and I will be. Wait, would that even be allowed to happen? Can I just? Oh yeah. Ask for your account number. They're not going to give you my account number, but they'll allow you to deposit money into my. If I went there and said, "Hey, this Kelly guy, can I put money in his account?" Would they really look it up? Whoa! They'd look me up, and they'd be like, "All right, Kelly, Kelly, Kelly Wildrick. Hmm. Do you do you know where he lives? Is is that? I have no idea. They they would try to confirm. (laughs) There's at least some knowledge. Yeah. So you're not putting money in a stranger's account. Yeah, yeah. I'm, cool, I'm like though. the only Kelly Weldrick in the entire we should get, we should get rich. Western Hemisphere. Random thought. Though, so. There are like 30,000 people in the <clears throat> PepsiCo company, like from Pepsi, Gatorade, Quaker. I am the only long necker in 30,000 employees. It's crazy. All right. Uh, support the podcast. I guess tell your friends about it. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff, so there should be some topics that maybe people like Ethan or whoever, if you, you know, someone that likes video games or random stories or books or whatever, we talk about enough topics, I think, that we would appeal to a number of your friends. Obviously, not everybody. I don't even share a podcast with all of my friends, but... Um, my parents listen. They both, do. Both of them? Well, when we remember to download it for dad. 
<laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. Um, do they like it? Mom does. Yeah. Excellent. But mom just generally likes podcasts. She doesn't listen to the ones that have a lot of swearing. We usually warn her about that. When Noah's on? Yeah. Or Kelly's drunk. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, what about you? Is there, have you ever shared the podcast with anybody? Or is it like, yeah, you might like this? Or I know, told, I know you tweet it sometimes. I've told, yeah, I've tweeted it a few times, and I, I've told people about it. I've never really given them a way to listen to it, though, I don't think. Just be like people that people like, hey, Kelly, let's go party. And I'm like, no, I'm podcasting. Get off me. <laughs> Melissa? I, was, I mean, Kyle wants to know how to spread the word, which is quite generous. Thank yes, you, thank Kyle. You. Uh, if, you, if you just want to, you know, post the link to the podcast on Facebook, that's probably as good as that's anything. Fine. We, got, we got like seven or eight people after PAX that started listening. Hi, new PAX people. Yay. Hello. And they've got nothing. Yeah. And then it was like a month of just yeah. like, this podcast doesn't Dumb. exist. Um, yeah, I'd say just tell your friends. If you have people that you think might like it, share it. That is all. And then spam people. No, don't do Emails. that. Don't make them hate us. Make flyers and put them up all over town. Okay, that's a good idea. Send me money. Throw like 50,000 leaflets out of a plane. Yes, yeah. all of these things. Oh, that's That's a good called idea. littering. Or, or, yeah, that. Advertising. That, well, no, they do it in North Korea. Come on. It's um, called littering still. Yes. Go to, go to North Korea and drop a bunch of links to our podcast. That's Nobody right. can download it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, uh, um, you but they, yeah, they could do the same thing like on the democracy those begins big banners. with a single podcast. Yeah. If we brought democracy to North Korea, that would be the most amazing thing ever. We'd get the biggest listener base, and the <laughs> United States government would be all over us, like like knocking on the door, <laughs> like instantaneously. All right, Kelly, pull a card. I would get right. to meet the president. Probably not in a good way. Pink. Why? I brought democracy to North uh, Korea. He would not be calling you from Matt Grant's office. No, <laughs> no Air Force One. He called me on the plane. There you go. Um, uh, right. Melissa, we have Air Force One for you. Pink on or yellow? Do the yellow one. It could be good. One of do the, the yellow ones is really good. No. <laughs> Please be the one I want. Do the, do the kid voice. It's science <laughs> with Mr. Luke. Uh, I need to choose which child's voice I'm going to use. Innocent child. Um, How many child's voices do you have? Um, Mr. Luke, will you tell me all about spider castration? I would love to tell you about spider castration. I've been dying. What? I've been dying for this one to be read. All right. So we're we're aware that in a lot of spider species, <laughs> the female spiders are usually the more aggressive, the bigger, the more. Uh, domineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always hear the stories about them eating the the men that they you know have sex copulate with. with. Copulate with. Yes. This is very common in spiders. There is one in particular, the Nephilengus malabaranellus. Let me let me read that for you. It's that top line there. Um, Nephilengus. So you had that part right. There's a lot of vowels in that. <laughs> <laughs> Malabarensis. Ne- so Nephilengus malabarensis. There you go. All right. It is a spider species where. In most cases, the male gets eaten by the female, but the male has his own little party trick. Uh, while they're having sex, he has the ability to detach his penis and leave it inside of the female. So this happens, I know, this is pretty, this is pretty weird. So he can detach huh. one or both of them inside of her. What? Yes. <laughs> In which case, uh, scientists used to think that it act as basically a... Uh, a block, a, a, a contraceptive, if you will, for other spiders that wanted to have sex with this lady. Uh, but that's not actually true because the next spider that comes along could theoretically pull it out. Um, what's actually fascinating about this is that the spiders that have lost their pieces inside of the lady and escaped to fight another day end up being the most awesome super soldiers in the spider world. 
They end up being like way stronger, <laughs> like eunuch, way faster, like way more endurance. Wow. So these researchers, because uh, wait, 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 is is the is the moral of the story? Uh, go chop your balls off. I, you can make of this what you will. All right. So uh, these researchers decided that they were going to test it. So they got some spiders and some tweezers, and they just plucked them off. Which oh, is a little bit rude. And they found out that eunuchs weighed 9% less than intact males. So their their manhood is fairly large. 9% of your body mass. Yeah. Congrats, you guys. Yeah. And uh, when they were eunuch eunuchized, they were that 80. Unicycled. Unicycled. (laughs) They had 80% more endurance than intact males. Um, So that was me bumping the table. Uh, Yeah. So uh, they basically said that spiders that lose their genitalia become awesome. And that is all you need to know. (laughs) I really didn't need to know this at all. Yes, you did. This is valuable information. (laughs) No, you learned about it's only the one species though. Did they try this on? This is the only one they found so far. Other spider species. Detachable penises. Yank their nuts off and find out. I'm sure you could try, but these are a little bit special. So I don't know if they tempted to try. I want to video this. Kelly, are you afraid of spiders? No, I'm just afraid of spiders on me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this ends up in tragedy. All right, <laughs> Melissa. We got to look here. This is going to be a good one. <clears throat> How do you deal with hype? Embrace it? Fight against it? Are you usually pleased with the end result? Any stories of disappointment? Hype? What's the melancholy voice for? I was just trying something different. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hype. Movies. Whether, you know, Avengers, Avengers, Avengers. It's going to be the best thing ever. And then you watch it and you're like, eh. Like, or, you know, you watch Prometheus this year. It got big promotion and then ended up falling flat. Battleship had a lot of promotion. was like the worst movie of all time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever but fallen. Bizarrely entertaining. Have you ever fallen prey to that, though? Where you, you get so excited and your expectations get so high. Oh, what was that, that game? That no, a lot of games. A lot of games. But there was one in particular. We were super Brink? stoked. Brink, okay, Brink was one of them, but Haze. there was one Haze. Haze. Oh, yes. There was this game, wow, this first-person shooter game called Haze, and both Luke and I were super excited about it. It looked amazing. Yep. It had great new features in it, and then we got the demo, and we're like, oh, it's We couldn't of, believe it. Like, it was shockingly kind of bad. horrible. <laughs> yeah, it closed the company. Yeah, yeah. They went out of business shortly thereafter. Um, so I've learned, actually, over the last few years um, to really limit my exposure to things that cause hype. So I usually, yeah. if it's movies that I already want to watch, like The Hobbit, <laughs> I won't watch any trailers for it. Um, if it's a game that I already know I'm going to buy, like Borderlands 2, I won't read any reviews or previews or, um, you know, again, sometimes avoiding trailers. So I, I intentionally, like, actively avoid hype because kind I find that I have that more enjoyment boat. at the end. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat now, too. Like, I've... I mean, I don't watch television anymore unless I'm at someone else's house because I just don't have it. Um, so I'm not seeing all the commercials that everybody else are seeing. But I, I don't know. I, I I feel like it's it's true. If you if you avoid a lot of those spoilers that you see in the hype, then the end product is more enjoyable. Okay, so the three of you are avid readers. Often you guys read books and series. So I'm thinking of like Harry Potter. As those were coming out did you guys find yourself being like, Oh, the last one was so good. The next one will be even better. And then like have that feed into your expectations. Have you ever really got hyped up? You know, it's the last Harry Potter, the final conclusion of the story. And I then, was nervous. Okay. I was nervous. really nervous about because it. Because yeah. you didn't think it'd be able to wrap up well. Well, it, my brain was, you know, in that place where it was like, Oh, well, how are they going to wrap up all of these things in one book, you know? And I was, I was concerned because, you know, the end of number six was 
not to ruin it for anyone, but it was it was rather depressing, and I was I was invested in the characters and in the stories, and and after number six, I was just like, oh, this hurts my brain. I don't know if I can handle number seven, and but I mean, I don't know if that's hype so much. That's that's more just anticipation. Fair enough, girls. TV shows, anything? Well, we dressed up for Harry Potter number seven. We did re- dress up for the book. We embraced seven. the hype. Yeah. Um, did it pay off? We had fun. Yeah. That's pay off. Was the book good? I would say they're two different things. We enjoyed the hype. <laughs> we also happened to have enjoyed the book. But even if the book had been terrible, we still had fun dressing up and going to the release party. Okay. Right. Like, I mean, like say, if, if Cloverfield, that movie that I was so obsessed with beforehand, mm-hmm. um, like I followed all of the viral yeah. advertising for it. There was huge hype around this movie. Nobody knew what it was, so it was very exciting. There were dummy websites set up everywhere that had, you know, secret info about the films. And I remember. Even if that movie had sucked, I had a fun time tracking that info down and, and posting about it on on uh, the old Max Tech forums and stuff. Yay. So, yeah. With Harry Potter, I started reading Harry Potter in seventh grade when... <laughs> so young. In the U.S., it was just kind of starting to get big. My friend had read them, and she gave them to me and said, you should read these. And I started reading them and was reading... And, like, I probably read them five or six times, the first three books, in the first half of the school year. Like, I just kept reading them and rereading them and rereading them to the point that my parents took them away from me because I just kept rereading them. That was all I did that, that Christmas break was read those books after I got them for Christmas. So there was my own hype as new books came out that built because I was excited about the next story and the next part and I wanted to know what was going to come next. And I was frustrated because I had to wait so long in between. But we've just had the, the first installment of this season of Doctor Who come through. And there was a lot of hype built up to that because there were a lot of important things that happened. And I totally got sucked into the hype and I was totally okay with it because it was Doctor Who and I knew no matter no matter what, I was going to enjoy it because it was Doctor Who. If it's a hype about something that I already know, I can get sucked in and I don't care. It's I'm going to enjoy it anyway. If it's hype about something that's brand new, sometimes I'll get sucked in, sometimes I won't. Okay. Our Harry Potter hype we already knew we were going to enjoy it. Fair enough. I've I've been disappointed. So I, I remember with Gran Turismo 4 in particular, I read everything. I was translating Japanese websites. Like I was like super just dying to get any piece of information I could. And then it, I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And then it came out and it was like huge disappointment. And, and to this day, I still don't know if it's because the game wasn't actually good or if it, it's just my expectations were unrealistically high. So I think that was part of the reason why I stopped you know, reading previews and watching trailers and stuff. Um, it pays off. I think if you, if you're the kind of person that likes that and can avoid it, like go for it. And if, if you really appreciate that kind of extra level of connection, go ahead and pursue it. All right. I'm not <laughs> using a kid voice cause I can't. Yes. Yes. You have to use a kid yes. voice. And it's you science have to read with I Mr. Luke. Cause I don't have a kid voice right now. Well, can you tell me about the, E-N-C-O-D-E project. Yes. ENCODE stands for the Encyclopedia of DNA Elements. Have you guys heard of this? There was a big story. That's for the what? Encyclopedia of DNA Elements. 
Sound familiar? Nope. All right. No, Mr. Luke. I'm just a kid. What do I know about DNA? Kids know nothing. Uh, This was a research consortium started in 2003, basically to find, map out, and elucidate the full um, human genome in terms of what it does. So we'd already mapped it out, uh, you know, in the late 90s and early aughts. Uh, but to actually like sit down and figure out like what each part of the genome actually does. And so, you know, there's 3.2 billion bases. What do all 3.2 billion bases do? So they just recently published their findings. Uh, They got through the 3.2 billion. Not quite. Okay. Uh, They, they only did like 150 cells and there's thousands in the body. So they, I mean, they've, they didn't look at the entirety of human cells. (sighs) The important part about this, the thing that's caused a lot of controversy, is that for the last decade or two, uh, there's been this big debate over the idea of junk DNA, that there seemingly was a lot of our our human genome that functionally did nothing. It just sat there, it, it copied itself, it grouped up in segments of repeating garbage, and this was obviously a huge debate between people that uh, propose you know, intelligent design over evolution or vice versa. And so this paper was interesting because it finally got released on September 5th and it showed that approximately 80% of the human genome serves some purpose, whether that is uh, coding for RNA or helping, you know, the transcription processes or in some way um, participating in, you know, gene combination. Um, And it was really fascinating because it's really tedious work. I mean, 10 years almost of research. And basically what they said that they only studied 147 types of cells. There's well over a thousand in the body. And so the, the final conclusion basically was that uh, it's likely that hundred percent of our genome actually has some kind of function, whether it's um, like I said, participating in actual coding or, you know, facilitating it by just being around. Um, so I know that's kind of like some like super nerdy science, but it was such a big project. I felt people should know about it. It's, um, it's going to continue going. I think they are going to try to find some more, uh, important cells. I think they targeted the most relevant and now they're going to look at that last 20% and see, um, what things they might've overlooked or missed. So miss Melissa encode is nerdy. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's science with Mr. Luke. Again. I don't know how to do a science voice to myself. Uh, it's curiosity update time because it's been over a month since we last talked about that little robot on Mars. Who, by the way, very little, but he looks like Wally. Uh, just, you just saw the, the mask cam. It looks like Wally and it's adorable. It's, it's all right. So on the Facebook page, you can see <laughs> He's never coming home. <laughs> That's true. Poor on, guy. On the Facebook page, I've started an album for pictures from Mars, um, which sounds weird even when I say it out loud. Uh, it I, is I almost just said Wally. Uh, curiosity has now driven Did about. You say, were you about to say it right? Like Wally? No, Wally. I can't do it well. Uh, he has driven. He's a he. I don't know why. Curiosity has driven sixteen hundred feet so far, which probably doesn't sound all that cool because you're like, come on, you've been there for two months. Um, but you know, they can't risk like it flipping over or you know driving off a cliff. So. Yeah, it's like top speed is like half a mile. Yeah, now. they're not. They're not trying to like set some speed records, although. Yeah. I guess they technically have the Mars speed record. Anyway, uh, he is about 580 feet from his current goal. He's going to this place called the Glenig site. Glenelg. It's a palindrome. I don't know if you know that. If you've ever seen it written down, it just looks like gibberish. It's the word Glen, G-L-E-N, 
E-L-G. Say it, Melissa. Glenelg. Yep. It's a terrible word. Uh, anyway, he's about 600 feet from Glenelg. What are you talking about terrible word? It's a palindrome. It is a palindrome. Uh, he is he has taken some really cool pictures. He got some pictures recently of Phobos and Deimos, two of the Mars moons, transitioning past the sun. Ooh. Yes. And uh, he has recently made a little dirt hole with his wheels so he could scoop out the dirt from underneath the top crust. And he's doing tests because when they get to Glenelg, they want to actually do like real proper science. So he's been like doing like little mini experiments on the way to make sure that things are working correctly. He's practicing. He's practicing, yes. <laughs> it's really quite cute. I was looking at the picture yesterday. Getting ready for the pageant. Yeah, his little picture yesterday because he, he like, you know, not got himself stuck. But you could tell that he was kind of like driving over the same patch, trying to like churn up a bunch of dirt so he could just scoop out the soft stuff underneath. It just Getting looked... ready for the science fair. <laughs> Mars science fair. He wins. <laughs> totally, yes. Yeah. Automatically. Ever. Yep. So that's your curiosity update. He uh, He's probably, I don't Until know. Until we find out there's like an alien spacecraft on Mars as well. Way it's, faster. It's like biological machine that like <laughs> has burrowed in under the ground and then it comes flying up. I'm just doing some quick math in my head. I would say he's probably about 10 days from reaching Glenelg at his current rate. So by the time we do the next podcast, we should have some real science to share. Because cutting off spider penises is not real science. It's totally real science. <laughs> All right, Kelly. <clears throat> uh, which one? This or that? Italian or Mexican? Oh. And since they didn't specify, I'm going to assume, are you more attractive to Italians or Mexicans? <laughs> Go. Uh, that's not... Um, no. Or maybe the question is, which one is Luke? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, For those of you listeners who don't, who aren't in on the inside joke, Luke has a long-standing tradition of having an ethnicity made up for him on yes. a daily basis. Pretty much. I have no idea about the attractiveness. <clears throat> I've never really seen enough people from either culture to decide. I was thinking more about food. Uh, that's so, what I thought it was about. <laughs> um, I like pizza, but I have no idea if that's actually Italian. Sure. Um, yes, it is. The margarita pizza is Italian. Uh, that stuff is gross. Except uh, the, it's the national pizza of Italy. It's gross. There's no meat. Um, the tomatoes are more native to Mexico than they are to Italy. But like wait, Italian wait, wait, pizza really? geeks are the worst because yes. they like they they'll only allow you have one in, like one topping. Yeah. So and it's not it's, chopped bacon. I yeah, I know. What were you gonna say, Melissa? Oh, just that tomatoes are a new world crop. Really? Yeah. They brought them back to Europe. Yeah. What? Yeah. Madness. Yeah. How did they live without ketchup for so long? And so they only had one ingredient. I'm telling you, I'm telling it was you, just yeah. bread with pepperoni. <laughs> there was no even cheese. Actually, sounds terrible. Um, I'm going with kind of Nick's theory that Mexican food is all basically the same stuff, and there's only so much. That's I because could... you don't eat real Mexican food. Yeah, I've been to Mexico and eaten real Mexican food, and half of it I don't want <clears> to eat <throat> ever again. Um, I'm gonna go with Italian because I like Olive Garden. Done. Jeez. Um, this is like the mountain and ocean question again for me. I just I, I don't you see need to any come back reason to, to choose between my two loves. What if you had to have a restaurant across the street from your house, a little cafe that served Mexican or Italian? Which would you rather? Mexican. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Melissa. I like them both as people and as food. <laughs> Saying so how your question was very unclear and mildly racist. What? Yeah, geez. All right, I'm cool with that. <laughs> so you like both? No yeah. preference? Amy? When it comes to food, I like Italian food better. Wow. I was not expecting that. Because you're racist? Why? Because you lived in Southern California, so I figured you would like acquire this huge love of Mexican food. Maybe that's where she learned to hate it. Yeah? yeah. I don't think it's possible. I didn't eat out very much <clears throat> and when I was in California, and the cafeteria 
really just served sushi all the time. What? So yes. What school has sushi all the time? Mine. California. You went school. to the wrong school. I did. <laughs> Freaking California. You guys suck. All right. Let's see what you got. Would you rather be stranded on an island alone or with somebody you really hate? For Luke, it's Michael Schumacher. Because he would totally see, throttle that it's, fool. It's always the question of do I hate Alonzo more or Schumacher? 07 really changed things in a way I never expected. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, would be, I would rather be alone. I think being alone sounds fun. <laughs> I mean, if honestly, I might choose the companion just because if we resolved our differences, maybe that would be good. But then, you know, if... Really hate. Right. <clears throat> you never know. What about that guy a few months ago you got all pissed off about because he said that like rape sometimes isn't a problem because okay see in his instance i would just kill him <laughs> okay with a rock slowly fair enough yeah and no, then uh, i'd be alone and i'd be happy for those of you fbi agents <laughs> kelly wildrick is speaking his own opinions and they do not represent those of a <laughs> podcast or its affiliates i know melissa would rather have someone she hates yep because being alone would be the worst yep and like Kelly said, we could work out our differences. Yeah, see? I would rather be alone because the person that came to mind never stops talking and fills the air with useless noises. And You'd have to resort to the rock? That person would scare yeah. away all of the, the carnivores. I'm not sure she'd survive a week. <laughs> because Amy would kill her? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so I would say alone, alone. Melissa says with somebody. Kelly says with somebody. Sure. Sure. I don't know who my person would be, though. I loathe some, a few people pretty pretty hard. Yep. So, Interesting. I don't know. All right, we've run it? out of cards. We have <laughs> we have fantasy league update with some major. <clears throat> I'm winning. Major. I'm winning. Bobby Kuby. All right. So if it wasn't for Michael Schumacher, I would be really close behind Scott, but he screwed everything up in Singapore. So Scott's leading with 1,601. I am in second place with 1,542. Carly has jumped way up to third place, 1481. Amy is in fourth, 1348. You might be seeing a trend here. David is in fifth with 1267. And Jackie is no longer in last place. She has 1235. Leaving Melissa at the bottom with 1232. Only three points behind Jackie. It's not my fault that my people keep getting knocked out of races. Is it, is it Michael's fault every time or is that just me? That's just you. <laughs> my, my problem is with Roman Roshan. So there's going to be a race in like three hours. So, you know, maybe you'll make some points up and, and jump out of the, the bottom of the list here. Um, I want to mention that we are now the only non sequitur podcast on iTunes. For a while, there was two of us and that guy pulled his content and no longer exists. So we are the only one. Woo! On that note, also, As you in, should leave us a review. And we have one did here. Did we kill him? No, I did not kill him. Did I kill him? Wait, what? <laughs> Again, FBI agents. Don't be talking about killing people Kelly online. Wildrick <laughs> right. in Olympia, Washington. Scott, oh, jeez, don't give my address. Scott has written a review, and I am going to read it. Oh, dear. Wait, Kelly, why did you take apart Luke's pen? Seemed like the thing to do. That's okay. Not a bad idea. Uh, he didn't take out the part where the ink gets everywhere, so I'm okay. <laughs> um, review from Scott. This podcast has a little bit of everything. It can make you laugh or pique your interest. It can inform you or entertain. At some point, it will almost certainly cause you to hang your head, cover your face with your hands as you ponder <laughs> the state of humanity, especially when one of the members is mm, inebriated. Above all, it is always a worthwhile listen. Why didn't he use the word titillate? 
<laughs> I have no idea. It makes me sad. All right. For that, Scott wins a game, and I have decided to change things up. I have 72 games from Humble Indie Bundles. So whoever writes reviews gets to pick one at their choice uh, for their system. It's They're Mac, random. Linux, and PC. So, Scott, you get first dibs on the pool of 72 and anybody else who writes a review can also choose from then on. Uh, we have enough time. I'm going to read a response from Kevin. <gasps> a what? Kevin is a friend of ours with cerebral palsy. And we talked on episode 27 about the idea of an EMP going off. And he wrote us a little bit of his thoughts regarding being in a wheelchair that's powered during an EMP blast. <laughs> <laughs> so let me read, let me okay. read Kevin's response to this. In episode 27, the roundtable discussed the effects of a possible EMP. I think Melissa said that the government would have enough resources in reserve to get the nation running again after said event. Not true. First, after an EMP, all electronic devices with integrated circuit boards would either shut down, burn out, depending on their proximity to the blast and the line of sight. In the 1960s, our government set off a couple of these EMP experiments over the Pacific. They knocked out electronics in Hawaii and New Zealand. In the 60s, this means vacuum tubes. Vacuum tubes! This gives you an idea of the scale and range of the nuclear detonation outside of the atmosphere. So, if an attacker were to set off a nuke over the center of America, say the border between Missouri and Kansas, it would knock out most of the United States, and as far as the electrical grid, electronics of all sorts, all vehicles with fuel injection, and pretty much all aircraft in flight. To harden infrastructure against such an attack would be impractical and not cost-effective. With the exception of a few military installations and private data storage, we'd all be screwed. William Forshner uh, writes one scary-ass book called One Second After, which uses the DoD study to wrap the story around uh, the casualty estimates. Hint, if Melissa reads this book, she might be on board with a deeper pantry uh, than you have now. Peanuts, hell, buy everything in bulk. Deep pantry. Yep. Uh, to sum it up in Kyle speak, ah, bright light, my phone doesn't work, Mope, iPad, no laptop, ah, chaos ensues. It's good Kyle speak. Oh yeah, let me not forget, according to Forshner, I would be dead in the first six months. I look forward to hearing your response on the podcast. <clears throat> I appreciate long form comments. Melissa has her arms folded. I don't know if she's on board with this critique. A nuke and an EMP are different things. They are, they are different That is things. all I have to say. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Kevin, for writing in. Uh, we appreciate your perspective. And if anybody out there is looking for a book, apparently William Forstner is one second after. Might be worth your attention. All right, Kelly. That brings us to the end of the show. <gasps> People out there, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash TNS podcast. You can send us emails like Kevin just did at TNS podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can listen to some dubstep. Kelly, what do you think I'm using for this week's dubstep song? Um, One that hurts my ears. I don't know. What are we doing? Melissa, would you like to guess? Is it is the Claptrap dubstep song from Borderlands it 2? It most yes. certainly is <laughs> Claptrap's dubstep song from Borderlands 2. Did, did someone remix it and make it more awesome? No, so or? what I'm going to do is okay. I'm going to take the like 15 seconds of his little verbal... Okay, Claptrap is a robot. Much like, <laughs> you should probably yeah, yeah, clarify. Wally-like robot in Borderlands 2, and he's hilarious, and he does his own dubstep with his vocals. I'm going to play like 15 seconds of that, because that's as long as his song is. And then the song they used for the trailer that promised 96.5% more dubstep. That song is by Nero, and it is called Doomsday. So you get to hear Claptrap and Nero bringing you some fat dubstep. Kelly, when's your birthday? Uh, October 22nd. That's, yeah, it's about two weeks from now. Yep. So I don't know how oh, we're... Oh, God. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to figure out how to do that. You're going to be 31 Shh. years old, and uh, we might have to have don't a birthday podcast. People. Possibly with presents. <gasps> So you guys should stay tuned for that. Hopefully we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye. 
Thank you.